Welcome to the Dreams and Money podcast. Join me as I talk to inspiring, trailblazing millennials who are breaking barriers and being bosses in their careers and personal lives. On this episode, I speak to Kojo Mafo, the founder of My Runway Group. My Runway is a youth empowerment organization which runs workshops, art exhibitions, and live events. My Runway Group has been featured on BBC News and Harper's Bazaar for their pop-up store, Black & Cannabis, which features 50 diverse Black-owned businesses. My Runway has hosted creative industry nights with the likes of Reggie Yates, Ozod Bolting and Trevor Nelson and has achieved so much more. So stay tuned in for our conversation. Welcome to a new episode of the Dreams and Money podcast. As always, I have a special guest. I have Kojo Mafo, who is the founder of My Runway Group. My Runway Group is an organization, a youth empowerment organization, which started as a support system to propel emerging creatives into their prospective careers and has now evolved into a much larger organization and you guys have done art exhibitions, runway shows, you've done live events with panelists and just like amazing stuff. At the moment you are hosting a pop shop in Canopy Street which has several black owned businesses um, which is absolutely amazing so welcome. Oh thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me. Okay so tell me a little bit more about my runway group where you guys now are and sort of where you started a bit of your background so like you said we're a youth and private organization we've been running for the last seven years the focus has always shifted as the time gone on it but it's been a very natural progression when we started it was pretty much to create a space for underprivileged creatives to get the support they need and experience to just thrive in their own areas but then now it's just more more than just a creative production and it's pretty much more like an organization that has different arms that does a lot of things from youth engagement, um, community and charity initiatives and creative art projects in general. So we've grown from just being a creative production to an entire organization, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. And what was initially, what was like the inspiration? Because I mean, what made you think, you know, what, I'm really going to do this and create this organization that's going to help support other young people and put them and provide a platform for them to shine? And like I said, it was never like the plan to create an organization. Um, we had this creative production called My Runway Show, and it just was a creative production that has a bit of everything. So a bit of creative direction, videography, film, poetry, music, choreography, just a mixture of a lot of things, fashion, you know, modeling, all of that kind of stuff. And we just realized that inherent into this creative production is youth development. People were using content for their own platforms, people were getting jobs of what we were doing. So it just showed that we could build a structure around it where we can do things the right way, which is what kind of propelled us to creating an organization out of it. So ideally it was literally just just start something cool and it was a lot of people kind of seeing it as a fashion show, even though it's a creative production. And then slowly just evolved from this being a student focused creative production into community creative production then we scaled it up into regional creative production and then i was moving to london anyway but then it became more of like okay we can't keep doing the same thing and london is like a whole a bigger territory yeah so we have to do obviously the creative production however the elements of what we've always done which is like the charity side of things and the youth development also had to stand on itself and not just come under a flagship event that took like months to plan, you know. So that is what birthed the different arms of my runway group by just progressing from one stage to another. 
Just tell me a bit more about the charity aspects of the organization, like what you guys are doing with that. And so far, what have you kind of achieved? And with the charities, it's been the underlining thread for almost everything that we do. Like even the very first event we had in Coventry in 2013, we gave part proceeds of that to a charity. And then during those times, it wasn't really a norm for how to have like a university event. Okay, so it started as like a university event? Pretty much, it started as a um, university event because I was already doing events in university, in Coventry. So I was doing like comedy shows, fashion shows, all of that kind of stuff. So kind of creating something that was different. Ideally, it was for my mate's sister who wanted to do a fashion show. But then I just thought another fashion show that might be boring. And then my mate also thought, okay, let's just have a little theatre twist to it. And then we just started putting ideas together and then further developed it into the first great production that we produced then. Um, and then, um, like I said, it's just scaled up into what it is now. But with the charity aspect, um, we've always created awareness about charity organisations that are well, very much invested in the youth community or the black community, or we have um, donated to charity initiatives. But now we have our own charity drive called A Time to Share, which is us getting young people to be better people in, in the community by donating their time, donating money, donating food, clothing items, you know, and, and that's been running for like the last five years. But like I said, prior to that, we always had, let's say, ACLT, which is like a leukemia trust for black people, or we'd have Embrace, who kind of focus on vulnerable women and children in like the Midlands, and which is an all um, KCA, which is Alicia Keys's um, charity. We've done so much of different types of charities over the last seven years. That's amazing. Now, outside of that, going back to the events, what are some of the things that you guys have done that you look back and think, you know what, I'm so proud of that, like we did that. And I mean, you've been operating for seven years now and you guys have done so much work from, like I said, art exhibitions to live events to the pop-up shops and all of these different things. Like what's something that you can pick out and kind of stands out to you as like a, a great achievement so far? I think everything has their own sentiments to it. Everything kind of stands out because these different projects are one to showcase or help with visibility of underprivileged um, creatives in general, which is a lot of people, and then also change perceptions and provide practical solutions to um, issues in our community. So we have like Brand This Town, which is like live talk series. We realized that there is a big gap between senior professionals that have about 20 plus years in the industry and then grassroots creatives that are looking for mentorship or to hear how people got to a certain stage in their life. So we have people like Dumio Baroto that started this step in London, literally from scratch, sharing how he's been in the game for over 10 years and how he even got into having his own record label, going 50-50 with Parlophone, turning Tiny Temper into like a worldwide superstar. And a lot of people look up to someone like that, but then, they have no idea how to navigate or how to build until they probably come to like uh, run this down and hear it like unfiltered with, with, with people like that. Then you have people like Oswald Bolton who has been black excellence before black excellence. Like he had, he had been screaming black excellence. He was crave director for Givenchy for like years, like in the Wait, 90s. Wait, who, who is he? First of all, who know, is Oswald Bolton. No, I no, mean, I know you else probably does do, it. but I probably oh, do. A hundred percent. Oswald Bolton is like the, one of the most famous black British tailors ever. So he currently has the contract to redesign the whole British Airways uniform. 
for like their 100 years anniversary. But prior to that, he just done so much iconic shoots for like The Prince, Jay-Z, Jerry Fox, pretty much every Grammy awards someone is wearing Oswald Bolton. The Matrix wardrobe was all designed by him. Oh, the wow. black man that has like his own shop in Savile Row and he's been there for years. He just broke in so much records. He's just an outstanding guy. But there is a disconnect between his world and a lot of like young people that want to be want to be where he is now designers and stuff like yeah. that you get me so it's important for us to now play not gatekeepers like more middlemen that can bridge the gap between these type of people and then the creatives that, yeah. are, that we are very connected to as well and then you have um projects like taboo which is basically conversations about forbidden topics so we have deep deep conversations about knife crime about youth suicide, celebrity obsessions, all of these kind of stuff. And it's, again, to provide content or data that can be used for reports for the local community or the local government. And again, we've been running that for like a couple of years now. Then you have a, another project like um, Blackface, which is a theater pro, uh, production that see, uses like theater to showcase a 360 aspect of community issues even give an example like the recent one we did was about knife crime but then you see it from a policeman's perspective what he thinks and why they go on the way they do you see it from like um a victim's perspective or or a relative or a victim perspective like a mother of a young man that's been stabbed and then you also see it from um uh the accused or the people that actually commit the crimes you know and why they end up doing that how, what type of childhood they've had, the experiences they've had, how people have dealt with them in society and how they kind of resent each other at one point. So it, it becomes real to you depending on, doesn't matter who you are, you just actually see, oh my God, that's why maybe people move the way they do, maybe that's why people respond the way they do. So our friend has always been using creative ways to kind of challenge people's perspectives and whatnot. So that's like three out of about 11 different projects that we have and then you have like Run Gala which is very upscale end of year um, networking everyone looks good dress well meet new people connect with them share your highs and lows you know it's very like celebratory um, but it also has a lot of social value in terms of bringing the right type of people together to discuss and build relationship regarding like businesses and stuff like that in general yeah that build networks and yeah. get people together that sounds like a lot that you guys are doing sorry, and... sorry for my tech talk i can go on no it's fine that's what we're here for um you're doing a lot and obviously you've not done it by yourself like how are you able to build a team and bring in the right people for these projects and you know just kind of how yeah did you get to that point where you do have a, a team to support you and help you and work with you to be able to achieve some of these things because obviously it's, it's not a one-man show and it's of not course, possible. Yeah. Like, that's why I say we a lot. Is mm-hmm. I've been fortunate to be blessed with a team that has evolved at different stages. We've had people that have sacrificed and given their time to a particular project or like seen it through and then gone on to do different things or better things or start their own thing. And I think that youth development aspect is what's really helped us. So people see what others have done and want to be a part of it as well. Um, and then also we we are open to working with different types of creatives. And I think people have seen our trajectory from like the very beginning till now. So whenever we do like a team call out or whatnot, there's just hundreds of people that would want to be a part of it. And then we also have like, like a creative agency called The Runners. So whenever there's like external work 
like we worked on campaigns and projects from other people, then we can tie in other creatives as well. So in terms of team, it kind of shifts and it's a bit fluid. Uh-huh. We do have a core team that works on my runway group in general. And then we also have externals that work on our creative agency stuff for third party stuff that we do. So with everything, like, did you ever think this is where it would go? Like when you initially started your first event, you were planning the first runway show, the first fashion show at university, fast forward to seven years later, mm-hmm. and it's an organization bigger than you, bigger than the name and like creating such an impact nationally. Did you think you would get here or like, is it just like mind blowing to you to kind of look back and think yeah, like... I think what's kept me a bit resilient is the fact that the whole journey keeps surprising me. Like, what could it be? What's next? And like, sometimes you feel drained. You think you know, you've done enough and then something comes out of nowhere or like a pitch gets approved or you get a random call about someone recommending you for something bigger. So just knowing that it keeps getting better and more exciting is what kind of just keeps me going. At the start, I literally just didn't. To be honest, I just thought by the time I'm done with uni, this is done, and I'm not gonna go to London doing these type of things. But when people start getting jobs of it, when I started doing referencing for people like each and every other week, they're getting real jobs. People's parents calling, emailing, say this is the first time I've seen my kid or daughter or son put any type of effort into anything. Um, this species speaks well of you. I'm really grateful that you, you guys took them on, you know, stuff like that. It, it makes you feel like if you don't keep going, other people wouldn't get the same chance, opportunity. And it becomes more of a calling, like to just keep pushing and see how much more people you can either support or help, you know. So I literally didn't see it, but it's become a part of me now. Like there is not a single day I haven't worked on my runway group in the last seven years. Like every conversation is tied into it. Every time I open my laptop, it's definitely like my runway group related. Like I haven't taken a break since then. Like I've never had a holiday that I haven't taken my laptop with me or whatnot. Almost every day, there is some sort of conversation that gets tied back into it. So it's just become a part of me now. So that doesn't feel like work. It's almost like as long as I'm alive, I'm always going to be producing or bringing. And I just have so much I haven't done. So yeah. I'm just looking forward to see which one actually manifests. You know. The fact that you, again, obviously it was accidental, but then it mm. was needed. It was necessary. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, there was like clearly a gap that you went and filled and just creating this platform, like you said, that has supportive people help people get jobs help people shine a spotlight on them on their talents and all of these different things bringing people together like that's such a a necessary thing for our community Mm -hmm. and then now obviously you guys are hosting like i said at the beginning you are hosting a pop-up shop in Carnaby Street in Soho which is one of the biggest and busiest shopping Mm -hmm. streets in London, potentially even in Europe as well. Um, One, how did you get the opportunity and two, why was it important for you to especially launch it during Black History Month and what's the significance of it for black businesses? The little back history of that is, it's not our first time in Carnaby. Um, Last year we did have a space and it was more experience driven. So like art exhibitions, live talks, um, wellbeing sessions and we had like a pop-up with like ASOS and stuff. It was like really cool stuff, more youth experiences. But this year, we wanted to kind of do a festival side of it. And obviously COVID hit, so we couldn't do it. 
However, we thought if possible and would always wanted to do something for black businesses. This is prior to everyone getting pro-black, all of that, right? And we've been speaking about it for a while with Shubsby. So Shubsby, they the landlords, they own like pretty much West End from Soho to Oxford Circus and all of these areas, crown areas. So we have a very good relationship with Shubsby. And again, we discussed having this for a period. Ideally, it was going to be like a four-day pop-up or something like that because of like COVID and, yeah. and see how it goes. And then it looked like we're going to be here for a month. So we didn't want it to be again about ourselves and whatnot. So we did it, start working on being, making this like a business call out and seeing who we can kind of fit in here, but also have more control in terms of the look and the layout. That is why we opted to go for a concept store. That means we decide who we can put as concession in this area. So it doesn't look tech and it looks well presented, especially when you're next to these other big brands as well. Um, but more importantly, we wanted to also make sure make people feel confident that you know you belong here this is not reserved for people with big budgets this is not reserved for a different type of skin color or race this is you know this is why our logo is like the little black guy with the balloons it's got everything to do with your dreams taking you wherever you want to go you know from doesn't matter where you are or where you're based so more importantly we just wanted to challenge again that perspective in our community and make people feel like you can have your products at a shop front in these high street areas and then young people can also walk in and see a store that is all stocked by black people in general couldn't even start challenging themselves and asking questions about what's this who does this all of that kind of stuff and then now they believe you know they don't have to just do one particular thing or be good at one particular thing they can literally do anything they want so in that area also we're solving some tough issues in there so it's just a lot of like hidden messages in having a concept store in the prime area that's why even on our staircase we have like uplifting messages like you know youth is how you feel black is beautiful you're more than enough just so that even if you don't make any purchase at least you leave the store, you know, feeling a bit better about yourself. So that's been like the reason why we opted to go for it. And then now, God being so good, we've been extended to the end of the year. So that means we can showcase a lot more black businesses. And we can also have a lot more takeovers so we can reach a lot more people. We can have our first Black Friday in Carnegie and then we can have our first Black Christmas sale even. Possibly I might dress up as Santa, you know, you never know. Okay. <laughs> a picture. <laughs> no, that sounds amazing. Some of the brands so far that you've had, well, black-owned brands that you've had, mm. include. Actually, instead of me saying, you say. Marbeck is doing amazing. Like they've done deals and stuff with like Migos and also. And um, we have what we were, which is like Tiny Tempers brand. We have Amor Designs. They do this amazing lampshades. Yeah, they're um, like more like African, African print lampshades yeah. and decor for your home. Like yeah. absolutely beautiful. And then Copper does that, that's lampshades as well and home decor. That's really cool. And we have like even this one of the things that blows my mind is this fogging spray. So literally you leave it in this space and then like in 20 minutes it fogs up the whole space and then it kills all bacteria and viruses, including COVID. It's invented by these two black girls, you know, oh, wow. and That's it's amazing. doing pretty well. Um, we have this, we have this a, a range of different products. There's something for everyone, and also like one of our best sellers is like a kids book, like a black kids adventure book, and she's like sold out twice. I think she's on a second or third run at the moment. So it's just what we're doing is working, and it just has different accessory, um moving parts to it, which is what we are more excited about. 
I love that. I think for me, again, and I've said this several times on the podcast, like creating the podcast was, again, a way to to celebrate and to shine a light on mm. black businesses. And I think having a space where we can be celebrated is amazing. But I think it's equally important to have more than friends and family support us. Yeah. You know, and obviously there's been a conversation that's been going on about support black businesses, but I think it needs to be a conscious effort from yeah. everybody. And it needs to be a conscious effort from literally in your day-to-day life, not mm-hmm. just like a, you know, once in a while or when there's an uproar about something, then I'm going to buy something yeah. just to say I did it. Just as like a little token of like, oh, look, I bought this one thing mm-hmm. from this this one little business, but actually like an everyday lifestyle, whether yeah. that's like... Yeah. I agree. From, I agree fully. You know, from makeup to yeah. buying things from black-owned furniture stores mm-hmm. to your clothing. If it's like, especially with Christmas coming up, you know, we're going to be spending so much money. And I feel like if just everybody decided, you know what, I'm going to spend, even if it's just 50% of the presents I buy are going to be from black-owned yeah. stores, yeah. Yeah. you know, it will go such a long way. Mm-hmm. And it really elevates us and elevates our community on a, on a bigger scale if we just take it as an everyday action, as an everyday lifestyle and yeah. not just like a once in a while thing, you know. I agree. And I should be interviewing you now. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. So again, like, especially with Christmas coming up, guys, you know, they are here to December. So yeah. you have, what, two more months to come and shop. Or even if it's not shopping here, you know, like shopping For online. Christmas, on Monday so I think yeah like it's it's really important to me and I think sometimes we can do so much talking god I'm tired of the talking in terms of like what issues we're suffering from as a community what's missing why we're not elevating each other blah 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 and it's like at some point we need to be people of action and not just words and we hold so much power. And I realised this, like, yeah. tell me anything, but, like, we as a, as a community hold so much power in terms of setting trends, whether it's music, fashion, art, Culture, lingo. Yeah. You know, we dictate what's hot, what's cool, what's trendy, mm-hmm. even down to, like, the dance and, like I said, the fashion. So could you imagine if we decided that we're going to push certain brands, certain yeah. black-owned brands, yeah. They could be the next Nike. It's so important that, like you said, we make this a lifestyle, not a trend or a face. Because who knows, maybe Black Lives Matter might not trend next year. Does that mean we stop supporting um, in general? So we just have to make it very inherent in us. So it's more for like the next generation because we are going to have to set pace, but they're going to have to run with it proper and say, okay, this is what we've grown up knowing because my uncles and my older cousins and my parents constantly shop black yeah. and, and it becomes a thing. You know, yeah. The reason why we probably look at other communities and wonder why they do that so well is because a group of people started at one point to say this is how we're going to move and they made sure their kids did the same and they made sure their kids did the same. We are only now starting this like, in our generation anyway, I mean like yeah. in America there's been Black Wall Street and all of that kind of stuff and other parts of the world. But we just have to make sure that we do more than we talk, you know, or we walk the talk and literally say, if we know and say these things about how much we commit and how much we contribute to the economy and all how much we are worth and all of our value and all of that kind of stuff, yeah, then we have to be very practical about it. And then the people that are actually doing the things that we say we need, we need to just be out there supporting them and then remove all of that 
mind advice is about how maybe you just get competitive about oh this person doing the same thing and whatnot oh it's like, yes it's a bigger world absolutely know? important that we we understand that there's a common goal and which is basically having some sort of black economics around everything that we do so it's, uh, that's like literally my drive that people don't see this as like a cliche event or don't overlook it like okay it's not that deep or okay like what's the whole point uh we're trying to you know put out a message here for people to believe that one is possible and then two it, we want it to be a norm we want we want another shop up the road yeah. having the same concept or free shops up the and hopefully concept. not even just a pop-up but that's something that's, that's permanent. permanent yeah and something that's, that's permanent that's something that we 100 percent working towards to make sure we have even if it's like a year residency is we can program well in advance and do that a lot would of be things. amazing could you imagine yeah. that like a year's yeah. residency in oxford street yeah. cannabis street of just like a just black owned businesses that would be amazing of course and i think something for me that i've been trying to do actively is supporting friends and family in their ventures Mm -hmm. and not just like you know just purchasing something once in a while but through word of mouth using your social media i think it's so important as well to realize like no matter how big or how small your social media following is it's still very impactful and and people are watching you like just because you know you've got your 400 followers 600 followers a thousand people are watching you like just look at the amount of people that are watching your stories on instagram and realize that people are watching you and every day too so imagine if you've got like your friend or your auntie's business or your uncle's business that you are actively and consistently shouting them out talking about their products or just reposting retweeting and speaking positive eventually your followers are going to be curious like what is this brand that she's always talking about who is this person that she's always receiving what is this podcast that the person's always listening to or talking about you know like it it creates an impact in the long run yeah and i agree yeah it's important you're playing your part as well like you have a voice you have a platform and you could have chosen to speak about anything you know personal or not related to everything that is going on however you're also spotlighting like these things and then people are going to find out about us for the first time through your podcast and then they're probably going to tell other people and that's the ripple effects that we, yeah. we keep talking about so well done to you too on your point as well i think something which kind of as i was prepping for this was kind of reflecting on things that i've been doing lately and realizing that it's important for me to be somebody that stands for something mm-hmm. especially with social media like we consume so much of it and i want to be like when my name is brought up in conversation, I don't want it to just be like, oh, the what the girl that's Pretty always girl. like out enjoying <laughs> living her best life. You're the life of the party, though. You know, like I, I don't want to be just that girl. Like, so I could be, but I, I want it to be more. She'd be like, oh yeah, that's the girl that does the podcast, or she's the girl with the business that does X Y Z. So I want it to be a mixture of things, or the girl that's always shouting out women or like black businesses or like empowerment. I just want to be mm-hmm. about something. And I feel like with you, I've known you. Oh no, I've known about you before I met you in person and when let's say if you pop up on my screen there's like certain things i automatically associate with you so is that something you've ever thought about like what's my brand as a person i haven't been i'm not too keen on titles like i want to tell you i hate like ceo makes me itch like founder makes my body like (laughs) i i hate titles i just i'm all, all about like delivery get the work done some people come in here and they think i'm a shop assistant and i like it 
yeah. makes me serve them better. It's not that deep to me. But also, most most importantly, like I think I've been watching one. I forgot what documentary was, and it was like when you hear Jordan, you hear, like you know one thing. When you hear like Jay Z, you know one thing. So people need to know what you're about, which is like your one thing. So I'm glad that sometimes when my name comes up, people can associate same things with it for now which is cool so what do you think people associate with your name then i think i just want people to see resilience and graft and grit grit okay so anything along those lines is what i think i embody hard work hard work you know you said something to me the other day which kind of stuck with me it was something along the lines of walking with intent walking in love and that is reflected through your work so like, mm. you know, through the youth empowerment, through the charity work that you guys do, through the different conversations that you're having with people in different places and yeah. uplifting other people, that's sort of yeah. what you embody, really. Like, that's what you embody. Okay, so talking about all those things, like, is impact something that's important to you? Everything has to lead to impact. Like, there's a lot of no substance things flowing around, especially social media, because it's easy to grab and post and, you know, add your two cents and all of that kind of stuff. However, those things don't stick or they don't last. And it just makes it, quote, smokier. It makes the mirrors more smoky. It makes the lines more blurry. And for us to get clarity, we have to be focused on impact. At the end of the day, everything that you do has an impact on the community. Even if it's one person, it's going to have a ripple effect on someone else. So... I make sure that everything that I do, I put myself into like the audience shoes or the customer shoes and how best would I want this experience to affect me. And then I, I work my way backwards to make sure I have details in that particular event or that particular project or that particular initiative um, to make sure that like we have a social impact report for most of our projects. So everything I do is literally, all we do is literally to make sure people get the right experience and also the right tools for like the next chapter of whatever that they've come to the event or engage with us for. So it's like, it's basically the underlining for everything. Basically. For all the work yeah. that you do. You strike me as somebody that has like, that's focused. Like, no, honestly, like you do. Um, like someone that's, that's focused, you know what you want, you know what you're doing and somewhat you are firm in who you are. Like, you know who you are. I think I've made my, thanks for that anyways, I appreciate it. I think I've made my fair share of like mistakes and I'm never shy of them. You know, I haven't been 100% the perfect guy or I haven't got all my decisions right, you know. But once I've got to um, owning them and saying I'm making better decisions now based on experiences or I'm dealing with people better now, you know, based on experiences or... I'm producing better events now based on experiences. I know mm. that I'm making some sort of improvement in different walks of life. And maybe that might come across to someone in 2020 as a focus guy. But someone probably knew me in 2015 and thought I was all around the place or just promoting a lot of events or doing raves or doing this and that. So I've had different stages in this creative walk. But then I'm glad that this is not the final stage. I just feel like I have so much to do, but at least I have a bit of clarity. And I think that's what kind of makes me come across as that. And I, I talk less unless it's needed. I post less unless it's needed. If it's not funny or motivational or, or adding value, I don't want a part of it. Maybe in, in the past, I might not be the type of guy. So I think 
um, over the years, I've been able to filter what's needed and what's not. And I listen to like Miles Monroe a lot, and he says only a few things matter. And I think that really stuck to me in terms of oh, you don't have to do everything, you don't have to say everything, you don't need an opinion on everything. If everyone wants to talk about Birkenbergs, okay, that's not my conversation. Everyone want to talk about who pays for the first date, that's not my conversation. Like. At the end of the day, I know who will be for my first day or whatever. I don't need to go share it with the world and, yeah. and have my opinion being accepted. And I think once I've kind of learned that in my years of growing up, I've just you know, decided to do better. There's, yeah. a, there's a preacher called Mensa Audible. And it's like, the more you know, the more you do. So you just have to decide once you now know more what you want to do, which makes so much sense. So now that I know that only a few things matter. Am I going to do only a few things or am I just going to try and do everything? Now that I know, you know, I'll be very foolish to know and not to do. It's like that saying, when you know better, you do better. Exactly. Okay. This was a bit of a random one, but what's the, would you say like the internal dialogue you have with yourself about yourself has shifted and changed over time? Like as you've grown or like, has, have you always kind of been self-assured? I used to think I was crazy, but I think my mate this he like he does this now. So I think okay, there's two of us. I interview myself. I take walks. I talk to myself. Like I question myself. I've sat on like the sofas of Oprah and David Letterman in my head, by the way, and interviewed myself and like said things back to myself. So I know what I'm supposed to do and how they're supposed to come across. If that makes sense. So like I'll give an example. Like these questions, I think the reason why I probably have a better response to them is because I've asked myself these questions before. Yeah. And it's very therapeutic as well. It's self, it stays within and you don't you feel free to share. And that makes you more centered and more whole because you just start proclaiming positive things. You just start saying things that are futuristic, but that is to the world. But in you, you just know you've already discussed it, you already had an interview with it, you know. So there's this line that's a gospel quote about resting in the finished works of God. So I know this path is done, it's been finished. I'm only like on this day, stage two, but it's like stage 10 is already done. So I'm not worried, I'm not anxious. I just rest knowing that even stage three, four, five, six, seven, eight is all pattern. I don't need to do nothing done, just stay within what God wants me to do and just do it well. So let me try and understand that better. So like having a future image, for instance, of who you are, like in the future, who you are, then having an idea and a vision of the things that you accomplish in your journey Mm -hmm. and knowing that already this is the end goal and it's already done. But now all I have to do is to walk in those steps and to walk in that path that's already set out for me. Would you say, do you believe in manifestation? What exactly is manifestation? My Okay, my understanding of it is almost like what you're saying, having a vision of who you are, what you want, who you're going to be in the future, the things you're going to do in the future and believing that it's already done. And all you have to do is to yeah. pretty much declaring that it's already yeah. done and genuinely believing that it's possible and you just kind of like doing it backwards so pretty much of course i do so so for that yeah Yeah, i live for that because i mean i feel like some people feel funny about it in the sense of like i mean because confusion between you mm -hmm. know 
believing in God and believing in manifestation and feeling that it should be two different things no, and not, not two and not thing. two things that can coexist. Because do you know, because they some people feel like well manifestation is something that you yourself are pushing forward and are driving. Whereas like it could be like God's will mm-hmm. is something that could be separate. So you believing that you can manifest this thing is like a power that you are using within yourself versus the power of God and what and walking in God's will. But just to clarify that, so once you have no power in determining what the outcome of the future looks like, what's going to happen. But again, like you said, that's another conversation, but you can only do what you say you can because of God. There isn't a division. Yeah, for sure. Another day, another day. Yeah another day um okay let's talk about ghana for for a quick second you guys have done some work in ghana with organizations in ghana tell me a bit more about that um so we had a project called homecoming and again it's something that we've been drafting and developing for time and reached out to british council to they were interested in it because we're looking for diaspora engagement programs and then they were happy to take it on so last year Ghana also had a year of return and there's a lot, bunch of creatives in Ghana anyway so we didn't have to take creatives down there's a lot of people to yeah, work with. Yeah there was already like right. a lot of people in yeah. Ghana that you could just collaborate course, with and yeah. work with. Pretty much so what we did is replicate some of the things that we do here to kind of fit what's either needs to be done in Ghana is already going on and add value to it so we had like a live talk panel with different creatives that share ideas and um, experiences about let's say you are a script writer in Ghana I'm a script writer based in London it's very different in in, in these in areas different, yeah, yeah. yeah so but then again the principles are the same and it's just people just sharing um, ideas and networking with each other and we also had like a joint art exhibition with like Ghanaian based artists Nigerian based artists um, UK based artists all coming together to do like a joint exhibition which was like pretty cool then we took a bunch of crazy, I think about 20 of us or 25 to Kumase for like two, a night, like two days. Then did like a, a time to share in Kumase with an orphanage called Cherub Orphanage. So basically they let young kids, give them food items, um, clothing, money. And then also did like an art workshop with them. So we make sure that we make them draw like what their future looks like with art and then took them through how a career journey could look like. Mm-hmm. And that was very mind-blowing because about three of the kids, yeah, I kid you not, literally said they want to be pastor's wives because that's all they've seen. So they drew wow. a pastor's wife. And it sounds a little bit funny because you're like a pastor's wife, but when you look at it, that's their dream. You know, mm-hmm. people want to be pilots and medical doctors and all of that. But this is all they see, and they see the pastor's wife maybe in a flashy car or well dressed or sat at the front of the mm. church looking all looking lovely or <laughs> all of that. So they're just excited by it. And these kids are like eight. So just challenging their thoughts and obviously not making them feel like this is not good enough, but also making them like, as well as being a pastor's wife, you can actually be the next, you can do this, you can this career in this yeah. for you, and using art to kind of replicate that. So that I was a really. That. Yeah, uh, thank you. That was like really challenging for everyone. That was you know, very emotional. So that's been Ghana for now, but we should have some more exciting things in the future. Okay. So what can we look forward to with my runway group? I mean, I'm excited for you guys and what's to oh, come and you. the future, but what, what can you tell us so far? 
Um, our steps are not predicted, it's just guided and we're just excited as you are to see what God brings our way, what opportunities. We want to do so much. We want to be a household name for everything youth. We want to make sure what we do here that works is replicated in Europe, in Africa, in America, in Asia. Um, that's like the long-term goal. We also want to have a lot of presence in like non-London areas like the Midlands, Manchester. So just to make sure we touch a lot of corners where young people are, creatives are, and then further develop you know, people's interest in the creative industry. Yeah, sounds great. Okay, so before we end this, so we're going to do a few quick fire round questions. Oh. Yeah? So, what's 2020 taught you? Stay focused on your focus. So, it doesn't sound correct, but whatever it means to you, take it. Yeah. Okay, so for me, it's keep the goal ahead of you. Stay focused on the goal. Okay. Right. What advice would you give to your 16-year-old self? Keep living, man. Enjoy life. Just live. Life is for enjoyment. Live. No, but enjoyment can mean anything. It doesn't mean go wild. It's like yeah. take pleasure in the things that interest you. Yeah. And then build your creative juices and flow from there. Like I said, life is for enjoyment. enjoyment. Whatever that means to you, take it. Do it to your best. Let those love you. Yeah. What is something you would say you're currently learning? Um, emotional about... intelligence. Dealing with different types of people, understanding different backgrounds, culture differences, spiritual differences. And just, I used to deal with people on position basis. So if you upset me, the creative director has upset me, not the name, you know. But now I deal with people on a personal level and understand why they react the way they do. That way I can help or assess or be better towards the situation. So just reading a lot about it and just you know, learning as we go, but quite exciting. Something everyone should look into as well. Yeah, definitely. Is it, would you say it's pressure being in a position of leadership and maybe you know, having people look to you for answers, having people look to you for direction and leadership? I think it's pressure if you allow it to get to you. It isn't pressure if you are aware of what comes with it. Like Stormzy's album is heavy as the head that wears the crown. It comes with it. Like the crown's heavy. You're gonna have to bow at one point. You're gonna have to lift your head up at one point. It's just the walks of it. You know, when things go right, it's everyone's contribution. When it goes wrong, it's your fault. Yeah. So the balance of also taking people's opinions in, the balance of having vision and understanding people's destinies are all tied into it. Um, Ooh, it's exciting. That is know. powerful. That is so powerful. Like realizing that people's destinies are tied into what you're doing. Yeah. And that organization, that company you're running, that little business or that little vision that you've got that you think is little, other people's destinies and futures and potential opportunities are tied into that vision. Mm-hmm. Wow. Basically. So, yeah. So, Thank you. Thank you for having me instead. No, of course. It was my pleasure. I think we'll cap it there. Of course, make sure to check out Black in Canopy. Yeah, come and shop, come and check out all the different Black-owned, super amazing businesses that are being showcased here. Um, and different sort of businesses from accessories to clothing to home decor. As we said, like it's very, very diverse. So come check it out. Okay, so that is it for this episode. Don't forget to share it with your friends, share it with your family. Where can we find you on socials? So it's my runway group across all channels. 
And then my personal Instagram is called your Steve Austin. Hey, of course, all the information will be linked in the description box. You can find me on Instagram at Dreams and Money Podcast. My personal Instagram is Nomanoms. Again, information will be in the description box. And that's it. Thank you. Until the next episode.